Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about our updated vision statement. We've had bits and pieces of it shared through the sermons, through our Bible texts, and through the music that we have sung together. And some of the core words have been posted around the church campus. You've probably seen the signs and the posters and other things around. We focused most of our teaching on the three actions that sit at the center of this renewed vision statement. (coughs) Two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to authentically welcome all people. Last week, we talked about authentically loving all people. And so this week, we look at authentically serving all people as we also present the completed statement itself. Our text this morning uh, is from the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 22, verses 24 to 27. Um, I'll be reading from the common English Bible, but I encourage you to follow along in whatever version you may have available. An argument broke out among the disciples over which one of them should be regarded as the greatest. But Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles rule over their subjects, and those in authority over them are called friends of the people. But that's not the way it will be with you. Instead, the greatest among you must become like a person of lower status and the leader like a servant. So which one is greater, the one who is seated at the table or the one who serves at the table? Isn't it the one who is seated at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. This is the word of God for the people of God. So one of my favorite movies is Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. For those of you that may not be familiar with this movie, Bill Murray plays a weatherman who is sent to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania to cover the emergence of the groundhog. He's a bit arrogant, narcissistic, self-centered. He makes no attempt to hide his disdain for being sent on this task that he sees as beneath him as a waste of his talents. Somehow, while he is there, he begins living the same day, Groundhog Day, over and over again. Every day when he wakes up, it's Groundhog Day again. It's as if the day has been reset and he gets to try it all over again. Now, at first, he's obviously a bit confused. I mean, who wouldn't be? Like, am I dreaming? Did yesterday not happen? Like, what is going on? But then, after a little while, he gets used to it, and he decides, well, I'm going to take advantage of this situation. He winds up robbing an armored car. He spends money on expensive things, takes advantage of the people that he meets and runs into at the celebrations and around town. Basically, he lives a wholly self-centered existence for those days. Of course, we may recognize that this is more or less the very life that our culture suggests we're supposed to want. Our culture tends to idolize those that have all that they could possibly want and who live unapologetically selfish lives. But as this pattern continues, his character finds that the whole thing leaves him feeling a bit empty and alone. Sure, he has the ability to get whatever he wants, however he wants, without any consequences whatsoever. But then the next day, he wakes up, and nothing has really changed. After going through a particularly low period where he tries to 
end his own life several times, his attitude starts to change. He starts doing little things to help the people that he encounters along his day. Sits down to share a meal with a homeless man and tries to get him help at the local hospital. He catches a boy falling out of a tree. He helps some people with a flat tire change their tire. He embraces the community that he had shown so much disdain for. Encouraging others, offering support, being kind and generous. Once he succeeds in living a completely selfless life, serving everyone he meets along the way, his life starts back up. He is, in effect, born again, no longer trapped in the monotonous pursuit of selfish gain that had been his existence. He finally wakes up to February 3rd. Now, I hope you can see some of the parallels between the movie and the gospel story that we read today. In this gospel story, we find the disciples arguing about who it is, who is to be the greatest among them. Now, this is not necessarily a new thing. You may recognize this theme from the parallels in the gospels of Mark and Matthew, where the sons of Zebedee, James and John, are arguing about who is the greatest, and they want to sit at the right and the left hand of Jesus in the kingdom to come. Now, Luke generalizes this story, or or maybe this just happened so much, this is a completely different story. Maybe the disciples never got it and just continued to argue amongst themselves about who is the greatest. But Jesus makes the same point every time we hear this story. I am not here as a leader in the way you are expecting. Greatness in the kingdom to come does not look like or is not measured like greatness in this world we live in now. Now Matthew and Mark do this much more explicitly. The stories there conclude with Jesus saying, I came not to be served, but to serve. Or as my alma mater, Barry College's motto puts it in the King James language, not to be ministered unto, but to minister. But Luke makes this point in a much more subtle way. Sitting at the table for the Last Supper, Jesus hears them arguing about greatness, and so he asks them, what constitutes greatness? He makes a point of identifying greatness as the world does. Kings and rulers, the master of the house, the ones sitting at the table, not the ones serving the table. And then Jesus simply says, but I am among you as one who serves. There's a challenge to them in this statement. You know who I am. You've been with me. Do you not consider me great? And yet you've also seen how it is that I serve others. If we see this conversation at the Last Supper as Luke has written it here, there's even more power to Jesus' words. The Gospel of John tells us that as they gathered for that last meal, Jesus knelt before them and washed their feet. Can you imagine, after he has knelt down to wash their feet, serving them in this way, that they get in this argument yet again about which of them is to be the greatest? Can you imagine how they must have felt after Jesus points out this argument they're having. 
maybe they finally started to get the point. Jesus is showing them a different model of leadership, a way of leading that they are still having trouble understanding, even or perhaps especially here as we near the end of Jesus' ministry, here during their last meal together before the death and the resurrection. It reminds me of a Lenten song called We Sang Our Glad Hosannas. The song is written from the point of view of Jesus' followers in the days leading up to the cross, and, and it ends much as the story for the disciples does on that Saturday with them not quite knowing what is coming. But there's one line in particular that stands out for me. The first stanza ends with the line, We sought a royal savior but did not understand. A king could rule by loving instead of by command. Jesus has been showing them a different model of leadership than what they expect, than what they have experienced in their their world. He's calling them to be leaders in a different way than they are expecting. He's saying, you know how the Gentiles do it? How their rules demand, how their rulers demand respect? You know that the Lord of the table is greater than the servant who serves at the table. But then it is as if he is pointing out to them, you know that I am the Lord of the table. And yet I am here as a servant. He's not only among them as one who leads by serving, but he calls on them, on us, to do the same. And this is not something new. It's been a part of Christian teaching from the earliest days. And so it is fitting that we make it an explicit part of our vision for what it means for us to be church here in this place. If you look to the full vision statement that's included in the bulletin, you'll see that our vision is rooted in the leading of the Holy Spirit and is grounded in the great commandment. When he was pressed to state which of the laws is the most important, Jesus responds that the greatest is to love God with all that we are. And he then tells us that the second is like it, to love our neighbors as ourselves. When it comes to those of us that follow Jesus, then this is where our commitment starts. Loving God and loving our neighbors. And as you can see, this vision statement is our reminder to do exactly that. To welcome, to love, and to serve all the people that we encounter. We desire to be a church united and empowered by the Holy Spirit. All that we do as church should be firmly rooted in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When we look to the stories about the disciples, we see that there are kind of two general phases to their ministry. When they are listening to Jesus, when they are hearing his teachings and seeing his example in person, they so often misunderstand. They get excited about the simplest displays of power. They would be boastful about their own place and critical of anyone not in their group. And yet after the resurrection, after they received the Holy Spirit, that is when their power grew. They were able to take those same teachings, the ones they had so frequently misunderstood, and spread them out to the ends of the known world. 
They traveled throughout the empire and beyond, teaching others about God and healing the sick. They helped communities formed and guided those communities through the difficulties of forming relationships with people from different backgrounds, different experiences. People who were different from each other. So united and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we seek to authentically welcome, love, and serve. These are not simply statements of belief or feelings. These are actions. These are verbs. Our faith is an active faith. It is not simply about putting a statement on a piece of paper or posters up on the walls. Those are good reminders for us of what it is that we are called to do. These are good reminders. But our vision, our calling is to do those things. We welcome our community in many ways. Sometimes they come here, they enter our space, and we welcome them and include them in our times together. And sometimes we go out into the community to where they are and share with them there. We love our community in many ways. We care for those around us. We perform acts of service and kindness. We acknowledge and support their right to exist. We treat them as we would hope to be treated. And we serve our community in many ways. We provide for their needs and support other organizations, both here and abroad, that provide for their needs. We provide much-needed money and supplies and other resources, but we also speak out in the face of injustice. We seek to stop the patterns of harm and violence that put people in those situations to begin with. It is rather fitting that we are celebrating a baptism here today. When we look to our baptismal covenant, we find that this vision while we may feel it is new to us today, is really nothing new. When we are baptized, we make a commitment to welcome, love, and serve others. Through our baptism, each of us individually promises to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, to reject the evil powers of this world, and to repent of our sin. We accept the freedom and power God gives us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. We accept the call to serve as Christ's representatives in the world. And as a congregation, we reaffirm those vows and promise to support those being baptized as they grow in their faith. We make a commitment to welcome, love, and serve them. Our vision statement serves as an ongoing reminder of those commitments that we made when we were baptized. It is a reminder of the grounding of our faith, of our unity in the Holy Spirit through our baptism and the ongoing strength and guided provided by our baptism to live out our faith. This is an active faith, not a passive one. It's a faith that calls us to action on behalf of Jesus in the world. 
It is a faith that calls on us to welcome, love, and serve all of those in our community and in our world. Like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, who finds new life when he begins to serve others. May we be empowered to live life anew as we boldly live this calling to welcome, love, and serve all of the people in our community and in our world.